0: In the Civil Rights Act of 1968, America does move forward, and the bell of freedom
1: rings out a little louder. This is A Little Louder, a podcast for wonks, housers, and rabble-rousers, where we talk about fair housing, community development, and how we can use these issues to build people power and work toward equity and justice. I'm John Henneberger, and I'm speaking today with one of Texas' leading workers on the area of tenant rights, working to protect tenants in the state, which is a big job to do given the backward nature, shall we say, of tenant protections in the state. It's a tough job to be an advocate, and Shoshana Krieger is the best. Shoshana, welcome to A Little Louder.
0: It's lovely to be here. Thanks for
1: having me, So you run a nonprofit organization in BASTA that's on the forefront in this state on protecting tenant rights and helping tenants organize to exercise their legal rights under the law. Tell us about BASTA. What does BASTA stand for and what do you all do?
0: Yeah, so BASTA, Building and Strengthening Tenant Action, or Buscando Acción y Solidaridad que Transforme el Rendimiento, We've been around for a little over five years, and we work to organize tenants into tenants associations at multifamily properties so that folks can organize around the issues that they're facing and strategize to ensure that the solutions that they want get enacted. That can be anything from repairs at a property to getting rid of a bullying manager. Or one mobile home park, we work with the residents to actually purchase their community. So it's whatever the tenants who are on the ground want to be working towards, we will support them in doing so, so long as they're doing it in a collective manner.
1: And the members of BASTA have had a number of important wins, like uh, taking over that mobile home park, I think, ultimately to protect the ability of the people to keep their homes there and securing some improvements or are dealing with the wake of the, the natural disaster, the big freeze we had a year ago. And there are a lot of tenants affected by that. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the things Boston activists have done?
0: Yeah, so in the wake of winter storm Yuri last year, a lot of multifamily properties in Austin were without water uh, for a week, two weeks, some even three weeks or a month. And so in the immediate aftermath, FOSTA, along with other nonprofit partners like Workers' Defense uh, Project, we orchestrated a volunteer effort to actually just bring water and food to those properties. And so that was the immediate disaster response. But then what uh, happened as we were at the properties was that we started hearing lots of issues from tenants about the ongoing repair issues, which they had prior to the winter storm. And so it was no accident what were the properties which didn't have water three weeks, a month out after the storm. Those were properties which were in poor conditions before the storm itself. So we started working with some of the associations, some of the properties, tenants of properties, who we had uh, been delivering water and food for to organize and then fight for uh, longer term and more structural changes. So it's one property, there were a lot of mold issues. And so those tenants advocated with the code department to get citations issued. And that was escalated to Building and Standards Commission. And we actually got the largest fines the BSC has ever given. At another property, which was actually without gas, it was Project Based Section 8, Property, and we worked with those tenants to negotiate temporary relocation, which included both financial assistance for tenants, a right to return and better communication in that process. Another property we're at, Rosemont at Oak Valley, which is owned by a subsidiary of the county. There also were relocation issues over six months after the storm itself, and we continue to work with that association to ensure uh, that there's justice for those families.
1: uh, Those are life-saving actions on the part of BASTA in those properties. I think about all of the multifamily properties and all of the really substandard multifamily properties around the state. Austin's lucky to have organized tenants doing this work, but there's certainly a big need in the rest of the state that's not being fulfilled because there's not the equivalent of BASTA in most cities in the state, right?
0: Yeah, and I would also say that even in Austin, we don't have sufficient resources to meet the needs and the requests that we get. We have a long waiting list at this point of folks who are interested in organizing, but we don't have the staff capacity to be able to assist every single, um, person who contacts us and wants to organize. And because we're in the state of Texas, and as you said in the intro, a state which is fairly hostile, to tenants, it means that organizing is even harder. So it means having a a staff organizer doing the work, it's gonna take more work for that person than if that person was an organizer in LA, in New York, in a state where it wasn't as um, risky to be organizing to begin with. And you have more just basic laws which protect you and institutions which protect you, which means the organizer doesn't have to do as much groundwork with folks to make sure that they have the confidence to be able to exert their rights. And then also oftentimes, I think on the ground here, we may start at a property and then the tenants say, Yo, I don't want to take that risk. And it's totally understandable. And so then it's our responsibility to be like, okay, if you don't want to, that's okay. That makes sense for you as an individual to not want to risk your home. And so I think that in other states with more protections, you might be able to push a little bit more. But we have to be realistic with the folks we're working with because it's not my home. It's not an organizer in or my team's home. So it's easy for us to be like, yeah, rock the boat. But we have to be responsible as we're rocking the boat.
1: I guess the risk to organizers are they could get uh, hit with harassment from management like trespassing charges calling the police on you when you're just on the property talking to people about their rights but for tenants it's pretty serious too because they literally could as you say face eviction i think a lot of people don't understand what organizing means and particularly in relationship to to tenants what is an organized group of tenants? What do they look like? What do they accomplish?
0: Boss's definition of organized tenants, and under our model, organized tenants are a group of tenants which comprises a super majority of tenants. So not just a few folks who come together and there are five people and it's a 300-unit property and they're like, we come up with our list and we represent anyone. Our definition of organized means you have to have a base and the base is the foundation. And in order to have a base at a multifamily property, that means you need to be talking to your neighbors. And so you need to have a solid base of people who say, hey, I support what you're organizing around which means you have to have clear issues defined and clear solutions proposed to be able to engage the base around it. And then you need to have a subset of people who are the steering committee or the planning team, whatever an association wants to call it, who are the folks who are doing more of the strategizing, are in the weeds, are figuring out what they're going to propose to the general body. But that proposing to the general body and the accountability to that larger base is crucial. And so all of that takes a lot of groundwork and isn't something you call a meeting and then the next day there's change because there's process which needs to happen. And you have to start talking about what does consensus decision-making look like? What does accountability look like? What is having power, a little bit of power look like? Because for steering committee members and planning team members, Oftentimes, this is one of the first times in which they're in a position where they have some power or influence, as opposed to that their jobs where you know, maybe the lowest person on the totem pole. Sometimes that also means you have to say, okay, now you have some power. You have a direct line to the manager. What does that look like? Like, how are you going to use that? And how are you going to stay true to your neighbors and be using that for the collective greater good. And that's where the rubber meets the road. That, to me, is the uh, best part of organizing, is that the leadership development which occurs in that space And creating a base of folks who are going to be able to lead a movement in a way which is not hierarchical and which is looking at the collective more than the individual or the personal.
1: It's important work. The um, reason I particularly wanted to talk to you in this episode is there's been publicity in the last month or so about the Austin City Council considering some expanded protections for tenants beyond what exists in current law. I know that the members of the City Council often reach out to people who are members of BASTA and seek their advice and input on these type of things. And I know that you monitor what's going on uh, at the City Council and are often asked about these laws. Can you tell us what's cooking at Austin City Hall?
0: Yeah. So, there are two exciting potential laws which may be enacted. There were resolutions which were passed unanimously in February directing city staff to create two ordinances. And both of these ordinances would significantly change the rights of tenants in Austin. So, the first one, which is related to what we were just talking about, which is all of the organizing, would give tenants the right to organize in Austin. UT did a A report a couple of years ago which looked at different states and jurisdictions and what uh, a right to organize could look like and proposed a model ordinance and the model ordinance which they had proposed would include the right of tenants to be able to knock on their neighbors doors to pass out flyers to be able to invite an organizer from a nonprofit Onto uh, the property to be able to have meetings and common areas, and that organizers and tenants could engage in these activities without fear of the police being called, uh, which is something which we definitely have seen. The other resolution which was passed was directing staff to draft an ordinance which would give tenants an opportunity to cure lease violations before a landlord could proceed with an eviction. Over 40 states already have these opportunities to cure. They're pretty standard. And what that is, is in Texas right now, If a landlord wants to evict you because, let's say, you didn't pay rent, then they would give you a notice to vacate. It says you have to get out, in normally it's one to three days, and then you could go to your landlord and be like, I have the money, I have the money, and your landlord could say, nope, not going to accept it. A lot of times landlords will accept it, but the landlord's under no obligation to accept it. what this ordinance would do would be to add a step so that the tenants would receive a notice which says hey you have x amount of time to fix your lease violation it could be non-payment of rent it could be other things if you do not then we will proceed to that next step. So it basically just gives an additional amount of time for a tenant to come up with the money. If it's a noise issue, right? To like correct the noise issues, to fix the problem, to avert the eviction filing to begin with and to keep people
1: happy. It's kind of an anti-gotcha to give people an opportunity to to get right and not just to lose their home on the first time some problem occurs.
0: Yeah. And I think that your framing of an anti-gotcha is a really good framing because also oftentimes the tenants who a landlord may say, oh, I'm not going to accept your rent, even though you're saying you have it now, are the tenants who are sticking up for themselves to begin with. So it's not totally divorced from the organizing conversation or the tenants trying to exert their rights conversation because it's the tenant who's made repair complaints, who's called code who they may be like, nah, I would rather not take your rent and just have you out because you're a headache. And so landlords choose who they decide to give leniency and who they don't. And this would say there's a standard kind of period which tenants can fix the problem before we go to the serious and violent act of an eviction.
1: These two issues, the right to organize and the right to cure, And you say the right to cure is present in 40 other states already, Texas being only one of 10, where tenants don't have that legal right. So who's for this and who's against it? What do you see when you watch the city council talk about these issues?
0: Well, both of these resolutions passed with full council support. There were some amendments, uh, especially for the cure one, which Give staff more flexibility in terms of uh, what the final ordinance could look like. There Also, there's going to be a question of what are the exceptions to cure. So imminent threat of harm, criminal activity, okay. but then what kind of criminal activity? Does you know smoking a joint mean that you don't have an opportunity to correct not smoking a joint and result in an eviction? And then the Austin Board of Realtors got in an amendment which uh, said that they should consider certain property damage. But what does that look like? And we're talking about cure, like can a tenant fix the problem, not can a landlord proceed if the tenant hasn't fixed the problem. So if we do property damage, right, does that cover a kid has uh, hit a a soccer ball through a window and the window's broken? Does mom have the opportunity to fix the window before an eviction proceeds? That, that, That property damage could be there, right? So the extent of... What those exceptions are, and both the apartment association and the Austin Board of Realtors obviously are uh, wanting landlords to be able to act with more with more latitude. It it does seem like there is political will in the city on the council to enact these. Also, just for cure, it's important to note during the pandemic, for most of the pandemic, there was a sixty day cure period for a non payment cases. This would say like, hey, we did that before. Now we're going to make it permanent, but not at 60 days. The amount of days they're talking about it would be between seven and 30. And it seems like there was, when folks were testifying for the resolutions, there was a fairly wide support among community organizations, among tenants of folks saying, hey, it's important to keep people housed. And it's also important that cops aren't called on tenants when they're just trying to stick up for th- themselves to fight things which are illegal and immoral.
1: If people want to follow this or people have an opinion and want to get involved in the process, what's the opportunity to do that?
0: Yeah, so the timelines for them is the CURE ordinance is supposed to come back to council at the end of March. They might ask for an extension. We're already almost mid-March, so that very well might happen. The organizing one is supposed to come back in July. The Office of Civil Rights is doing a series of listening tours in which tenants rights is one of the issues on the listening tours and they are getting community feedback on these issues of organizing right to organize and whether someone should Uh, be able to cure a lease violation so those are over the next two months so i strongly encourage people to check out their website i think Basta either we shared yesterday or we're going to be sharing by the time this airs it will be shared on our social media the information on those sessions
1: anything happening with Basta that you want to highlight
0: oh well i guess on eviction Uh, Matters. We are seeing eviction numbers in Travis County approaching the numbers of pre pandemic levels. So we have our Eviction Solidarity Network where folks can volunteer to watch and track court proceedings, much like Texas Housers is doing in other parts of the state and really terrific work. So folks are interested in volunteering to court watch, let us know. You can find information on our website. Everything is still virtual, so it's relatively easy to do. We're also doing rapid response calls to tenants to make sure that they are connected with the resources they need. So that's uh, one area of opportunity. And then just following our social media pages, you will see other opportunities to support Rosemont tenants and their continued battle to uh, get rid of folks who aren't overseeing county programs adequately. Or if there's a pro- probably in the next couple of weeks, there'll be something on a displacement of 80 families in East Austin, uh, which we're starting to just organize with. So following our social media, there'll be more kind of property specific ways folks
1: can get in. I hope we can follow up with the Rosemont tenants. I think their fight has been an inspiring one and it's been they've been particularly effective, which is a situation where an apartment project that was owned by a governmental or quasi-governmental entity let the place go to hell and wouldn't refuse to make repairs and deal with serious mold problems and habitability issues and the like it's certainly bad when any landlord doesn't treat tenants rights but it's especially bad when one that's associated with the government fails to fails to respect tenants rights
0: yeah. And we have, I mean, tenants are right now being moved back into their apartments. And of the four mold tests, which we conducted with professional licensed mold inspectors, all four came back positive with mold, but they are still forcing tenants to move back in. So actually today, a city council, city council county commissioner's court should be appointing uh, new board members for four of the five seats of the board, which oversees this project because it needs wholesale reform. It's a travesty. That is a whole other day of a conversation.
1: If a tenant is listening, who's interested in organizing or interested in becoming more knowledgeable about their rights and how to maneuver the very unequal situation in this state between landlords and tenants. Can you join Basta or can you can you get more information?
0: So you could go to our website to sign up for mailing lists or if you're interested in organizing, there's a form for organizing interest. Also, you can call us. We have a wait list right now, but we still encourage everyone to call and we where our resources allow we're supporting folks but i would definitely encourage people to reach out and get involved because it's really important that everyone who is a renter is speaking up because we're a majority renter city but our the the laws and the regulations and the ways in which resources are distributed in our city do not reflect that we are a majority renter.
1: Shoshana, what's the website again?
0: It's B a s t a a u s t i n B-A-S-T-A-A-U-S-T-I-N.org. Got it. And then our social media handles are all at Basta Austin.
1: Got it. Well, thanks a lot, Shoshana, for taking the time to talk to us about uh, what's going on. We'll all be following with great interest what the city of Austin does with regards to expanding the rights of tenants to organize and providing them an opportunity to cure in this majority renter city.
0: Thanks so much, John.
1: You can listen to A Little Louder wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also watch the video version of A Little Louder on our website at texashousers.org. And now our friend J.T. Hirschmack will take us out with our theme song,